Hello and welcome to the Community Church Podcast, where we want to equip and empower people for life together with Jesus. On this podcast, we'll be talking with lots of different people from all walks of life to help us in our discipleship to Him. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast. Uh, We are carrying on the story of John and Julia Sutton-Smith. This is part the second, so if you've not listened to the first one, we strongly recommend that you go back and do that. Uh, We pick up the story now where uh, John and Julia, they've come back from Africa. They are in the UK. They are settling in Southport and uh, looking to uh, find a house (laughs) and uh, carry on family life and all that God has called them to do. Uh, In this episode, they talk a little bit about one of the most difficult and challenging times of their lives, also one of the most exciting. Um, I won't spoil the surprise for you. Uh, but we hope that you enjoy this and uh, all of the story of John and Julia Smith. So here we go. So you come back to the UK then, and uh, you uh, are. I take it desperately looking around for a house um, for your young family to to get settled so that you can get started in your job. How how was that coming back? And <laughs> we stayed with John's parents initially in Hertfordshire. Okay. And we were booked. the The couple we were close to in Zambia, Daryl and Helen, were Irish folk. And they were back in Belfast for a wedding in June. And they had invited us over to them. So we were booked to go and spend a week in Ireland. So we travelled up to Southport, where this job with Scarswick Hall was. And (laughs) we started looking for a house there. Stayed in, in a boarding house and linked up with one or two of Mildred's friends in Southport before we went on to Belfast. And amazingly, people in Southport helped us. We found a house within that week that we wanted within our price range, uh, quite close to the school. And it was amazing, really, that we found something and made a decision quite so quickly. So, God orchestrated that, really. I think God falls over backwards to answer the prayers of young believers. We believed there would be a house. We wanted a house with space around because we'd come from Africa. Mm. We went to an estate agent called Hatch and Fielding on Lord Street. It's not there anymore. We say we're looking for a property. We've got two small children. We want to open views. She said, I've only got about five like that. I thought that's better than 50. She said, try one in Whitecup Road in Scaresbury. It might be a bit small. That was half past nine in Southport, half past 11. We were looking around nine Whitecup Road where we've lived over 50 years now. And we liked it very much. So I felt God just clearly opened the door. Mm. The next issue was we never belonged to a church before. Mm. And we needed to find a church. And we did several. I think that was legitimate. Christ Church and Elim and Bethesda and Canning Road. 
just finding where God wanted us to be. Mm -hmm. And we settled at Canning Road Chapel, which was an offshoot of the brethren, main brethren assembly. We were there for 14 years and they were wonderful to us. It was the place which God wanted us to be in. Somehow when we were there the first time, we felt a peace, sense of belonging, felt God was speaking to us there. So we look back with great gratitude at the way God found us quickly a home and quickly a church. Yeah. And events have proved that both of those were the best decisions for us. Oh, fantastic. How was it um, going from teaching in a school in Africa to coming and teaching in a school in England and teaching specifically in Scansbury Hall? How was that for you, John? Well, different as chalked at cheese, really. <laughs> it was. And when you come back from Bush Africa, you're so grateful for so many things. You've got a dentist within four miles, not 300 miles, and the post is reliable, and you can even post your passport and it won't be stolen or lost and things like that. And to go into a school, Skedwick Hall is a fine school. They had that old-fashioned thing called discipline, and we've kept it there. And I enjoyed it very much. Obviously more facilities and uh, it was just a, a sense that I was in something which had already, it was a fairly young school, but it had a tradition and it had very high standards of academic work and behavior. And that's not saying everything was automatic, but it was a pleasure to be there from day one. The quality of the staff, Principal Mr. Oxley, fine man of God, and uh, so I just thought this is fitting me like a hand fits a glove. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So then you um, worked and lived and were part of the community in Southport for 14 years. Were there more children? Were there any challenges that you faced during that time? Or what? Uh, walk us through a bit of that time there. There were plenty of challenges. I don't remember life being easy at any stage. Uh, obviously the children went to school in Southport and I was asked to help out at, as a school secretary in a small Church of England primary school, which I did because I felt that's what God wanted me to do. Um, the folk in Canning Road chapel were great to us they really gave us friendship and care and it was a wonderful nursery for our newfound faith mm -hmm. they emphasized bible study and prayer and fellowship and it was what we needed and we grew in our knowledge and understanding of god's kingdom john's ministry was in scarsbrick hall very much amongst the the lads and later the girls um, because he was asked to run a, a student union, a Christian union, sorry. Uh, I worked in youth and Sunday school at Canning Road. Um, so we were well occupied and growing in the things of God. Um, in answer to the question, more children, we made a decision that we would stop with two. Um, one consideration is we felt that God would bring a lot of other young people into our lives and 
you'll find yourself, Harry, that your children's age will determine the kind of children and coming into your house and sharing your life because it will be their contemporaries mm -hmm. and certainly we've always had a lot of contact with young people largely through our children's friends but also being in a school situation so that was a decision which we made and I think it was the right one again. Mm -hmm. and so what were you said that there were plenty of challenges what were some of the big challenges for you during that time? As we grew in our faith um, we had been baptised in the Spirit at a revival convention in Southport, um, really because in the boarding house we were staying in initially we met up with a Pentecostal couple who told us about the baptism in the Spirit. But that inevitably brought us in conflict with the Brethren Assembly we were in because they did not consider uh, the gifts of the Spirit to be part of modern Christian life. <laughs> so take us back to the that moment with the Pentecostal couple then, um, that you found out for the first time, I guess, things of the Holy Spirit. What kind of impact did that have on you guys? I think it made us hungry for God. Okay. And when you're hungry for God, the sky's the limit. Mm. So we took every opportunity to go to any kind of gathering, which we perhaps naively said it's got a New Testament church stamp to it. Okay. We, we greatly respect and thank God very much for the people in the Brethren Assembly, but they could come under the label dispensationalist, believing that some parts of the New Testament, particularly the work and the person and the purpose of the Holy Spirit were for the first generation of the church. We found that being hungry for God, we sought after God in different places where we could be fed, where we could worship God with, with great liberty. And we found in those years a certain amount of frustration. We walked perhaps a path of frustration, wanting more, believing God wanting more and not seeing it happen. On the other hand, that time of frustration is useful in our training. We see that not having what we want. Mm -hmm. But we came to realize that there are times in life when we have to be true to the higher allegiance, which is to God rather than to people. Mm -hmm. It meant, in fact, that after 14 years in that Brethren Assembly, together with 10 others who were also part of that church, although two had moved off into another environment. We were being linked together and in 1983 we felt God wanted a new expression of his kingdom life in Southport. Mm -hmm. And that was clearly one of those occasions where we had to say our loyalty to God must supersede our loyalty to people. Mm -hmm. Crisis, but in a measure we'd have that 
decision to make on a number of occasions during that time. So that's how the community church was born. Maybe I'm going ahead of you with your questions. And the 12 of us from the Brethren Assembly, uh, under God, we only did it because God showed us so clearly He wanted us to. Began, began uh, to meet together. We called ourselves Southport Community Church. Five couples, two single people. And we moved almost straight away out of frustration into fulfillment. Mm. But we do recognize, as I've already said, that the training which went before that was very necessary. Yeah. And uh, we thank God for it, despite its frustrations and despite its limitations. So then you, um, you come out with 10 other people. Praise God that you went on your own. <laughs> um, and uh, was this time um, a time of great excitement? Um, was it a time of kind of fear and trepidation? You, stepping out into you know that God's calling you to it but he's very much stepping out into the unknown and then um, I, I guess that there there would be other churches maybe that would look down upon what you were doing and um, walk us through some of the emotions that you were kind of experiencing during that time I think it was a very exciting time I remember it as very thrilling um, there was obviously a certain amount of trepidation because we were going against the flow for girls like um, Maggie and Helen. Helen in particular, her parents were founders of the Canning Road Chapel. Oh, wow. um, and for her it was a very painful time standing against her parents or against her mother. Her father had already died. Um, if I could come in there. I remember the excitement, the sense that if we stay within the pale of respectability, it will cost us more in the long run. Mm. We seen the cloud was moving and we gladly followed it. God gave us two verses, especially at that time. One was, you shall be a sign spoken against that the hearts of men will be revealed. And yes, there were criticisms and we did see the revelation of people's hearts. But we also had, before you build a tower, before you go to war, first sit down and count the cost. And we had with these racing hearts to sit them down and to still them and not run ahead of ourselves in that way. Mm. So we had to be cautious. We had to get the timing right. We had to talk it out with the elders we were leaving. And we knew that a lot of people perhaps disapproved of us mm -hmm. from different churches. Mm -hmm. Perhaps some felt threatened that we would be, quote, sheep stealers. Mm -hmm. But we knew it was of God. Mm -hmm. And if you don't move when the cloud moves, you don't know when you'll have the, uh, another opportunity. Yeah. There is an affair in the tide, the, there is a tide in the affairs of men which taken of the flood leads on to fortune, omitted, neglected, and all the some things of time flow in ebbs. I didn't get that wrong, so you'll have to edit that out. But <laughs> that's a Shakespeare quote. You've got to launch yourself on the on the tidal wave. Yeah. Um, was this something that was taking place across the country at the time then? With in a measure, yes. We'd seen the kind of church in other 
We've been going to Dale's Bible Week for five week, five years, from 78 to 83. Because mm. we were hungry, you had to move. We went down to Fountain Trust conferences in Swanwick, sort of Colin Ertgart and David Watson's and Arthur yes. Wallace's. And we were hungry and we went. And so we realised God was doing something. We desperately wanted to be in part of what God was doing mm. in our day, in our generation. That helped us perhaps to make that decision. Mm. How was it going to be a part of those Dale's Bible Weeks? I've spoken to a few people before and they talk mm-hmm. about how they're really transformational times for a lot yes. of people and how they affected the nation. How was it for you guys going there for five years? And it was very thrilling. It was like going up to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very new to us, so sometimes it was a bit of a shock to us. But I remember singing songs like you shall be a crown of beauty and a royal diadem in his hands and that thrilled us because instead of just being uh, fighting against a tide and feeling very inconsequential we suddenly got the vision that we were very special in God's eyes and treasured and there was a lot of potential in our lives under God. And I think this transformed our thinking. Mm. And we went back to Southport so encouraged and, and so built up. I don't think there was anything to compare with those early Bible weeks. Mm. And it may be just that it was new in our experience. Um, but I remember just living on cloud nine Mm. very often in in that week. Mm. How was it for you, John? It wasn't easy to come back from 5,000 people at the Dales Bible Week and go into our Brethren Assembly the next day. But that place was where God had put us. Mm. And people say, why did you go back? No one's told us to leave. We could stay put until God shows us. So when the time came to leave, one thing which was very much in our favour was that David Mansell, a prophet of God, was part of Bryn Jones's team on the platform, on those Bible Week platforms. And when he came into Southport, we had confidence mm. because we had seen firsthand and met one or two firsthand. And when he came, he was the human provocation, if you like, the catalyst and said that he who used to live in Southport himself felt that God wanted something new in the town. Mm. It, uh, it was a big help. Mm. We would not have started a work shut into the limitations of our own leadership. Yeah. We knew we needed men and women of vision and authority and faith to input our lives to help us along. So right from day one, the community church has been linked in with apostolic covering and uh, that I think has been totally and utterly strategic in the life of our church. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed. And next time we hear from John and Julia, we'll be hearing about what life is like in the early part of the church or the community church. 
Uh, we hope that you have a fantastic rest of your week. If you want to get in touch with us, please do so. Info at communitychurch.org.uk. And we will see you next time.